In the year to left, backing up Bautista, all the way to the wall. See you later. Wow, Tristan Casas has homered in his second AAA at bat. That was impressive. Ryan Fitzgerald. He really only needs Fitzy. five letters in his name. Fitzy! To induce those grounders. Swing and a miss for strike three. Second punch out for Brian Bayo. Yo one is hit high and deep. Back into right center field. Forget about it. Off the scoreboard. He hit himself. He hit his pitcher on the scoreboard. A two-run shot for Vanellis, and it's two. Red Sox Nation understands that our goal is winning. It's winning over a long period of time, and sometimes that requires difficult decisions in the moment, but we always have to keep our eye on that ball of making this team as good as possible for as long as possible. Are you uh, are you going to be missing being in Philly for the Super Bowl? <sighs> okay, so I probably, by the time this comes out, it'll probably happen. So I am going to have to go... Uh, I'm going to request that I can come home for the Super Bowl for two reasons. One, when we won back in 2017, I was in co- or 2018, I was in college. So uh, when I was in college, they uh, I couldn't go home for it, and it broke my heart because all I see is all my friends going out on like after we win and stuff. So since it's Super Bowl Sunday and we have um, off of Sunday, I am going to request. The Red Sox let me fly home for uh, just that one day. And um, because it is right before, like, we actually fully get going in um, for, uh, like, spring training before everything's, like, organized. It's more just kind of like guys that want to come down early and get work in and stuff like that. So fingers crossed that they'll let me come up for a day for us to uh for us to win it. So prayers up. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, super weird. People – uh I can't speak for everybody. I can't even speak for the guys on this uh, in this podcast with us, but I want to say that New England's rooting for Philly, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, I, exactly. guys, if I'm if I'm out of pocket here, just say something. No, I <laughs> you're, you're I, spot on with that. Yeah, I I can't really stand the Chiefs, and it has nothing to do with that narrative that's being thrown on the radio about like Patrick Mahomes trying to eventually pass Brady. I, I just I really just don't like the Chiefs, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can root against Jalen Hurts either. Yeah, I mean, the, my biggest thing is I, I've always loved Jalen Hurts from when he was at he, – he started at Alabama. I'm a big college football fan too. So uh, when he started at Alabama, I, I'm not like a bandwagon Alabama fan, but I have a, such a high respect for how they go about their business. Um, and I remember seeing him his freshman year start. And no, he wasn't the most talented quarterback, but you could just tell he really knew how to lead a team. So when he became when the Eagles drafted him, I tweeted out, and this is going on all social media if we win this. I tweeted out, I said the Eagles will win a Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts at QB. And I still have that tweet in my back pocket. And it's ready to be it's ready to come out if we win this thing. So yeah, no, I've I've always been a huge Jalen Hurts fan. The whole team culture, you can just tell, is just like they're having fun out there. They want to win, and it's just it, it looks very calm. Like I've, it's been a long time since I've been able to go through a season and there'd be like multiple games where I'm not like stressing out being an Eagles fan. And so I know how you guys feel when Brady was on top of his game back in the day. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I agree with Chris. It's like, we don't, 
you know, they keep throwing that dynasty word around for the Chiefs. And I just feel like you have to win a couple more to kind of yeah. throw that D word around. So um, yeah, no, I don't, it, it, I don't, for me, it's not even about that though. I just, Patrick Mahomes is a good quarterback. You know what I mean? Like he's fun to watch. I don't really necessarily, can't really root against him as a player. I just, I just don't like the Chiefs in general. You know, there's like, there's a team you just don't like. I just don't like the Chiefs. But you do know it was the Patriots that everybody hated for the past 20 years. So, I mean, I feel feel like they're kind of like coming into that realm now of like the team that just everybody's like, I don't know why, but I just don't like you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we have, you have to embrace that. Like everybody here in New England has to know that people hated them for the past, whatever. So, yeah, I think that that hatred though is probably going to stay forever for people. Maybe. Certain people for sure. Certain people for sure. I'm fine with it though. <laughs> I, so, people people don't hate the the okay ones. People hate the great ones. That's all that true. matters. True. That is true. I was gonna say though, what um I was kind of gonna tie that in, but I don't know how this is gonna tie in. But what made you choose Tulane? Oh, um, so actually it was a crazy story. I was committed to Miami um at in high school. That was my dream school, but I committed for the wrong reasons I committed because it was my, they had all the swagger. It was the U and stuff like that. And um, it wasn't the best choice for me. And there was a whole situation that happened when I was in uh, playing a tournament. Um, We got into an accident. um, My coaches and I in the car and I got a concussion and we go out and this will all tie together. I promise you, but (laughs) um, we got into an accident and I went out and pitched in front of them again. And I I really did not do well. I was not out there suited to pitch. It was more just like a stupid decision on my part. And Miami coach saw me and they're like, what the heck is this? And we talked on the phone later that night. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't remember much of the conversation, Um, but I probably did not say like the best things because they took my uh they took my scholarship away and um we was pretty late in the recruiting process by then so after that i uh, i didn't have many options and i i i needed a big scholarship to be completely transparent for financial reasons and tulane came calling when uh, i was out at the area code games and the rest is history i went down there and just like it, it's new orleans you know and um it's it, it was a really uh it was a really great opportunity. I'm grateful for it. Looking back, yeah, I uh, I got a text before you came on, and uh, I was getting a few uh, few items from former Chase, former teammate of yours. Yeah, but he was uh, he kind of told me he's like you came in, you had to wait a semester before you could enroll there, and I did you, I did you pretty much hopped in like right when the season started? He said. Mm-hmm. He asked you, like, was that how big of a challenge was that for you? Oh, man, that, that I put a lot of see the the one thing and this will tie into letters by Lucci. My biggest thing is I love to be vulnerable about my failures, about the times I've screwed up in my life, because I think it's so important for people to realize that like athletes, guys that are like, like people only see the good side of athletes. People only see the the wins and all that. It's important for people to see the athletes that have struggled too. people with like a platform have, have gone through stuff. So basically, yeah, I, I, I got in trouble in high school and I wasn't able to come my first semester. That was hard. I was at home alone. Um, I was just bussing tables, stuff like that, training by myself. 
everyone I know is off at school having a good time. It was, it was definitely hard. And then I come in there and I'm that, I was that guy as a freshman. Like I was like, I'm, I'm the recruit that everybody's looking like, what's this guy going to do? And I think I put so much pressure on myself to prove that, that I didn't really fully just involve myself as like a portion of that team. I, I came in like feeling like an individual and that I had to like, prove that I was a part of the team, not that I was accepted as a, like having a role in that team. So I put a pro- lot of pressure on myself and each outing, like it just kind of built up. Things were moving really fast. I got yipped up pretty bad. And uh, yeah, my freshman year, just that entire year was just a big struggle. And it, I, it was where I really had to kind of find myself and like find how I was going to like those were the biggest struggles in my life. And if I'm going, am I just going to sit here and sulk about it or am I going to do something about it? And that was what I did. I had to do something about it. So like it's, uh, I think it's really important to go through those types of things because they show you when you go through adversity later in life that you're able to overcome them. Yeah. You kind of, uh, you know, almost hit it word for word. What uh, Chase was saying, he's like, his answer is going to be unique. Um, he worked hard to prove himself. He's an 80 grade human being. So that's uh high I words. Best. I, I, I really, I, I appreciate that. And like, I would say the same about chase. So um, d- yeah, definitely. Um, I, I like, that's, I think that's just so important because like as a pitcher, man, I'm out there, I'm the center of attention. Like everybody's looking at the pitcher. I think it's really important to take sometimes that attention off me and be able to take what I've learned in my life and share it with other people to help them. Yeah. I mean, I just, the things I was reading about you and the things that uh, I was kind of listening to a little bit of the letters by Lucci. Um, You also just started your own podcast as well. Um, And I think I, I texted Chase this. I think you're going to be on a, you're going to be an analyst one day or you're going to be on Fox or something. I don't know, but <laughs> um, the way you like are able to, to like kind of guide a conversation as well as I feel like not all baseball players are good at it. Um, I mean, you kind of see like the A-Rods and the Ortiz. I think those are just like bizarre examples, but mm-hmm. um, they're just good, wholesome people up on the mic, just speaking the truth. So yeah. um, I definitely noticed that, but I feel like I'm hogging the mic here from Jamie. I know he's he's got some good things for you. I do. Well, I got my first one was, how have you grown um, as a pitcher since you were drafted, would you say? Well, the the the, the simple answer is just, man, I, I learned how to actually pitch. I mean, I've always been a lefty uh, that throws hard, and there's a high uh, – there's definitely a high demand for those. So that's kind of that, – that carried me a lot in my career. Um and then there was I, I got to pro ball and in my first season, I'm facing this Dominican kid, got a Gary Sheffield type stance up there. And I'm throwing the hardest I'd ever thrown in my life to that point. I was like I was sitting like 96, 97 and I he fouled one off and I'm like and I could have easily gone to a slider and gotten him to swing. I could have easily. But I wanted to I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to throw the fastball by him and. I threw another fastball and that thing probably just landed now. Like it it was, it was one of the furthest balls I've ever had hit off me. So that was when I kind of realized like, and my, my, my coach at that time, Nick green really helped me with that too. 
is like you i need to start learning how to actually pitch i need to start having learning at, to have a plan out there being able to land my off-speed pitches for strikes whenever i want in any count that type of stuff and that working on that through these years um have really helped me become a better pitcher um that that was what i noticed this past year i really started getting on a roll well was that I was just like able to throw any pitch I wanted in any count. And when you have that feeling, it's, it's, it, you feel pretty, um, you feel pretty invincible out there on the mound sometimes. I bet. But also, was it like, you know, play along some young prospects like Cavadas um, in York and kind of all that talent in the Red Sox lower levels? Yeah. I mean, um, York was my roommate love that kid to death like we we are we're we're very close excited to see him in a couple weeks but yeah some of the talent i mean we didn't have the best record to say the least this year but watching some of these young guys is just man it, it you 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 see like uh you see an all-star in them already i mean i remember last year when nick york got called up to greenville he went on a tear and we were all just like this kid's a big leaguer like this kid is a big leaguer. And uh, I could say the same about Marcelo watching Marcelo when he came up this year, it just how he carries himself, how he plays in the field, how he swings the bat. Like you can just, some guys, you can just really tell like they're going to have a long career in the big leagues. And it's just, it's really exciting to watch. Chris, is it is it your moment? Chris oh, cannot I, figure out the mute button. No, I thought, <laughs> gonna, I thought, I thought James was going to go again. Um, so you you got to play in the Cape Cod League, but you only got to play it was one. Well, you were there for a game, right? I I only pitched one game, so I I had a really good summer after my freshman year. After that whole Yips fiasco, I figured it out, and I and then they uh, the Cape Cod League after some guys left on like inning limits and stuff. For the playoffs, the the Wareham Gateman invited me to come up, and granted, I didn't. I only pitched one game, but it was a great experience. The pitching coach up there really helped me a lot to develop, and also um, we ended up winning it all, so that was a lot of fun. But um, so it was kind of like the you don't do any work on the project, but you get an A type thing. <laughs> yeah, Wareham. Well, I was gonna say Wareham isn't very far from me. It's probably like. I don't know, 35 minutes or so. Mm. Um, so it's kind of, it's wild when you're, when you're, you're chatting with a player and you, and you start to, you know, look into a little bit and, you know, literally you pitched 35 minutes away, you know what I mean? As, as a younger player. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. You ever get a chance since when you were up here to, to check out Fenway, um, you know, go to a game, like experience, you know, that I guess from the, you know, from like, say like a fan side of it. Mm -hmm. absolutely i went to fenway when i was actually 10 i uh i have some family that's from boston and i grew up or i like the phillies were my national league team but the the red sox were my american league team and um we went up there and man it was it, it's a it's a surreal feeling and uh, i remember so that was the first time i went up there when i was younger and then we went for a pre-draft workout my uh my family and i and i i got to throw on the mound on fenway which was Man, that was something that was something surreal. And then um, I actually came back another time. The Red Sox have certain pitching technology that's hooked up in the stadium. So they had all of our pitchers at some point throughout the year go throw a bullpen at Fenway when I was in um, when I was in Lowell. 
So I've been I've been there three times, pitched on the mound twice. So, but regardless, man, I think that's the best stadium in history. I think it is. I I think it's pretty the history behind Fenway, everything from like the um the red seat in uh, right field to like the monster, all that stuff. It's just it it's hands down. I think the best stadium in baseball. Were you uh secretly? rooting for the Phillies in the in the run I had to I, yeah. I did to. I'm not gonna I went to, so I went to the game so we're uh, Saturday night I'm watching the uh game four I think and we're winning and we're about to like take it and I'm like okay so tomorrow we're if we win if we win this game which we're probably going to tomorrow if we win it we clinch Zach Wheeler's pitching like our bullpen's good like yeah I, I gotta go to this game and so I hit my buddy up, spent a, a little more than I should have on some tickets, and we went, and it was the game that Bryce Harper hit that home run. And my eardrums almost burst. It was the one of the most surreal moments I've ever been to. And it was so cool because it was like I was looking at it from the outside. I was like, I could be a part of this one day, like with the Red Sox. Like I, I was like, man, this is – it was just – it was so cool and to see the whole city just light up it was it was awesome yeah i got i got one for you um i guess what obviously pitching at Tulane that um, what's the whole draft process like you know how are you how are you getting the phone call how is it communicated to you just kind of the whole ins and outs that obviously we don't see on an everyday basis you know like the nfl draft or anything like that so most of it starts off with like they'll send you forms ask more information about you simple things like that and then sometimes and then the next step would be like the teams that are more interested in you like their area scouts will come to the uh facility will meet talk kind of have like a five to ten to fifteen minute conversation depending on how much you vibe with the guy um and then uh, after that, they start to come see you play. They stay in contact with you. And then usually you're in contact with the scout that's in your area. Um, the higher ups, like I had an agent in college, so the higher ups would talk to my agent. And basically I would just stay in contact with the scouts that would come to see me play. And um, that was about it for on my on my behalf. Um, my agent took care of a lot. Very grateful for him. Shout out Joe Brennan. And then, um, and then I just one day we were, I wasn't quite sure which day I was going to go in the draft. It was all kind of like up to what the, what team it was, what like like the uh, financial situation for that too, because I could have gone back for my junior year, but then my, I'm on the phone with my agent. He's like, Hey, the Red Sox just picked you. And I'm like, it's the Red Sox. So like, we got it. We got to go do this. <laughs> So did you have a did you have a specific team like obviously everyone in the back of their mind like we grew up baseball fans like yeah. you know a Boston kid I would love to be drafted by the Red Sox but did you have a you know what in a pipe dream if I could pick this would be the team I want to go to Yeah oh it was the Red Sox and the Phillies hands down like a lot if any other team drafted me it uh drafted me it would have had to be like a much harder decision on whether to go back to school but when the Red Sox drafted me, I was like, this just kind of feels like meant to be. It, feel, it kind of feels right. So kind of trusted my gut. And then the next year was COVID. So I guess it worked out well. So 
um but yeah so uh looking back on it like that was the biggest thing was like just like the fact that it was the red Sox. i was just like yeah let's go time let's do it how did you uh how did you like portland when you got there at the end of last year it was it was nice it was cold it was definitely cold um much like it's gonna be at the beginning of this year but regardless um i liked it a lot i i think it was i i've been up to maine uh, a lot in my life my family and i we would when i was younger we would go up there a lot so it was uh i, I was pretty familiar with the area but i mean maine's beautiful I, I and i loved it and the we didn't play too many games there because we were getting ready for playoffs and we were at somerset a lot but the time that I was there, it was actually a pretty, uh, pretty awesome environment, and I, I enjoyed it. I think, uh, I think Portland's a again biased. Portland might be a top five New England city in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's true. You can't, you can't beat it. Like sitting out on the water downtown, um, going to like Luke's Lobsters or something down there. It's like absolutely phenomenal. But can't beat the um, lobster. Yeah, I mean, especially Maine, right? It's like yeah. their thing. It's their claim. So. Um, yeah, I think Portland in the summertime, obviously you haven't got to experience it yet. I don't I think it's gonna be pretty opposite of Greenville. What yeah. is the vibe in Greenville? I I don't I've never been in that neck of the woods. Greenville's pretty awesome, actually. I think I mean, first of all, the they like one of their claims to fame is they take care of that field so well. That field is pristine. Like it's a big league field every time you take the take it every night. Um and uh i mean the environment's cool usually like the weekends are when it gets pretty popping we get about like five to seven thousand fans which which was pretty cool um but then again there are some sunday games where it gets pretty hot and we're sitting out there in the bullpen cooking and i'm just like oh but um no i I really liked greenville per uh personally it, uh, it was it was a lot of fun there greenville's a fun city it's right near clemson too so a lot a very young crowd um and uh being able to th- there were some games there that were just like absolutely electric i i, I had a blast there I, I don't know if you've seen it but they just built a new stadium in worcester uh, in triple a level um last year it's two years old now i think yeah. i don't know um but they just announced there's on Tuesdays they're doing taco and tequila night. So you can get like three tacos and a marg for 12 bucks or something like that. Just like, uh, which is the equivalent of one beer at Fenway. So um, <laughs> I want to know what it's going to be like for uh, maybe you can get up there this year and experience it. But I just want to know how the crowd's going to be in Worcester this year because that sounds like a danger if i was me and i'm in the stands for a game in worcester this year it's not gonna be pretty from what i've heard it's a really great environment from the guys that have been up there um so far i mean like like obviously i haven't been up there yet and i definitely hope to this year at some point but um yeah no i i've heard nothing but great things uh, about it up there they said it's it's a lot of fun so like you guys when you're obviously minor leaguers how much um you know, interaction or a conversation you guys ever get to have with not so much the big league players, but whether it's the big league coaching staff, the front office, how much do you get to interact? Cause obviously right now, you know, Heimbloom, he's a little bit of a lightning rod around here. Um, but just from your perspective to kind of give to people, um, how much interaction do you guys have as minor leaguers? 
we actually have a have a great amount of interaction um i mean none of the big leaguers like i mean it all starts with their personalities too i mean if 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 a if a big leaguer looks like he really doesn't want to be like bothered then nobody bothers him um but there are a lot of big leaguers in the red sox organization that are very open to talking to the younger guys and stuff like that i mean I, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say we're best friends, but I have a pretty good relationship with Chris Sale. We've talked multiple times about a lot of things. Um, great guy. I mean, uh, I, I've talked to Xander, Rafi, uh, Kike, like we all have one weight room too. So it, usually it's a little separate about where we are in the weight room. Like half of it's usually where the big leaguer guys are. So it's not like, all the minor leaguers are bothering them, but um, no, that that most of them are pretty open. A lot of them come get take live abs off the younger guys, and um, they come talk to us, and they like they treat us fairly. And so I have no complaints when it comes to the big leaguers. They're all very kind, very um, very thoughtful, and they like to share their knowledge. And it's it, it's it's very rewarding for sure. Very rewarding. What's some advice they've they've given you, um, just in your interactions you've had with them? I was actually a lot of them. Yeah, so a lot of them that uh, my biggest question that I always ask is, what is your best advice for a minor leaguer making his way up? And a lot of them say how important it is to appreciate your time in the minors as well, because obviously none of us are going to play this game forever. So if we're all trying to rush, 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 rush three, four years have gone by in the minors. And what do you have to say for it? That you wanted to rush through it or did you actually enjoy it? So that's the biggest thing. I mean, I know there's a big stigma around like us not getting paid or like the problems we have in minors, but personally, like I understand it, but at the same time, getting to go out and be and paid to like, and given housing, like the housing thing, that was the biggest thing that I appreciated, but getting paid to go play baseball. Like I have no complaints whatsoever. Come on, Kevin, you know, you know, you got something up your sleeve. <laughs> well, that, so that was the question I had. And then yeah. it, it summed it up. Um, I mean, coming from a guys, I, I've known a few guys that have came through the Red Sox organization um, just years past. One of them was a Milton mass kid. Um, and, and he did talk about kind of how open the the interactions between the pro players and minor leagues are. You would think you would think in theory as a fan, you're like, no, no way. Like the big leaguers definitely big league, the minor leaguers. Yeah. But you know, I think it was pretty cool um hearing those interactions. And I guess the media, my my question would be, you talked about your relationship with Chris Sale and obviously both being lefties. Is there anything kind of do you guys talk more of all right, how are you gripping your slider? How are you gripping your fastball? What are you working on, you know, analytic wise of all right, oh two count instead of just trying to blow a fastball up, go, you know, how breaking down that information that you do have at now at the pro level? Yeah, I mean the the it's there's been a wide array of things that we have talked about. The, I mean, some of it, it's it's gone from things that are cert, like mechanical with like our front side or uh, we've talked about like what he how he 
uh what his like visual point is for his slider because you know his slider moves like 10 feet but like um and i have a, I have a pretty big sweeping slider too so like i like to ask him about that um i think but the biggest thing i like to ask guys is about the mental game about how they deal with like being in front of such a big crowd stuff like that because every pitcher is individual so if you like kind of it's okay to take things from guys but if you try and like replicate someone else you're not really being original to yourself that's just my five cents but um yeah so a lot of the things that i'll ask are like what was it like in this situation or like how would you do something differently in your past on when it comes to uh, a tough outing or something like that and th those are usually the questions that we talk about more yeah what's oh if go you ahead, gotta no, go Kevin, no, go ahead andrew i was gonna ask you it's um you may have already kind of discussed it a little bit. So obviously you got, you know, just a little taste in Portland uh, at the end of the year. What is the, uh, other than being promoted up a level or anything like that, what is your main goal for this next year? I mean, the first goal is to debut. That's like, that. that's the one that's like, it's tunnel vision right now. I mean, it's not just get up to triple A. It's like, I want to, I want to make my, I want to make a stamp in the big leagues. Um, I mean, hitting a hundred wouldn't be too bad either. That'd be nice. Um, <laughs> but be I, sick. I, I think, yeah, I think in a, in all seriousness, um, I have certain stat goals. Um, my stats have always been pretty inconsistent due to, uh, I mean, whether it's been my command in the past or something like that, or just being able to be mentally consistent as well. I mean, we're always learning, we're always growing. So I think one of the big things is that I've slowly climbed to be more consistent, especially through this past year. But I feel like this is a year where I can really prove that I can be consistent throughout an entire season. And that, that that's my biggest goal. Yeah, no, not a bad goal to have. Um, all right, we got you got to plug yourself now. So you got letters by Lucci. Mm -hmm. You got you even you have your own podcast that yeah. you actually just had a pretty cool guest on. Yeah. Uh pretty recently, Bianca Smith. Mm -hmm. Um, so what so how did these kind of come about? How did let's start with the letters by Lucci? Okay. So letters by Lucci started right when COVID happened. I um there was uh obviously a lot of people going through a lot of things during when COVID started and especially in the Northeast. It was a it was like in the South, people were just like, Oh, okay, it's not a big deal. In the North yep. people were going through it. Um, and I just wanted to post a video that like kind of reassured people that things are going to be okay. So I made a quick motivational video. I posted it on my normal Instagram and people loved it. And I was just kind of thinking about it. And I was like, that felt so good inside of me to be able to use my words to help other people's perspectives, not only on life, but just how they're feeling on a day to day. Um, so I was like, I continued it. I made some more videos, some motivational ones. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I should make like a separate account for it. And that was when I made Letters by Lucci. Um, now, as I continued with Letters by Lucci, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I made some merch for it and stuff like that. But then I started realizing that like the same what how I said, like, 
I don't always want things to be like focused on me. I feel like everybody has something that they could add to the world. So I wanted to make a podcast for it. Basically, the idea is built around like mental health, but I like to also talk to other people about their experiences. So what I do is I basically bring on people that I know that I've had interactions with that I know are genuine good people. And I ask them about their journey, what they've been through. And they usually talk about any adversity. Sometimes we talk about like fun stuff as well, but that's the whole goal behind it is to give a insight into other people's lives, not just for baseball or not just for sports, just all around. Yeah. I I'm going to admit, I, I've followed quite a few minor leaguers, professionals, multiple sports. I don't really see that very often. Hmm. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen a page that a professional athlete has had like letters by Lucci. That's why I kind of st- stuck out to me. And I think yeah. it's why chase even was like, you got to ask him about it because you don't see that very often. You really don't. I mean, I, it's, uh, it's fun. I mean, like I, I get it from my mom a little bit is like, my mom is a, a very uh, selfless human being. She'll kind of go above and beyond for others. And I have a very good relationship with her. So, I mean, I feel like if I had this plat, if I had this platform, um, and I'm not doing anything with it, I'm kind of doing a disservice. So, I mean, I I know I like speaking in front of people. I like public speaking. I like motivating other people. So, I mean, why not run with it if I'm able to? You know? Would you? Uh, would is it safe to say that that's? Uh, we like to ask a question on here. Uh, we've had a few few pitchers a few guys um yeah. around the league on here but is that something you would if you weren't a baseball player is that something you would probably be doing 1000 percent. yeah i mean it was an easy easy question yeah. i mean that was a layup but mm-hmm. yeah no we we've had we've had some some good ones i uh like josh winkowski would be a professional gamer like yeah. that guy loves his games yeah i know <laughs> we uh we live together out in uh oh yeah, Scott. Uh, uh, when when we were there for the um the Arizona Fall League, we we lived together, and that man grinds on the games, man. And the funniest thing is that like he um he had like uh, like everybody, we get a little mad at the game once in a while. So I'll just kind of be sitting minding my own business, and I just hear like slurs being shot, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay. But I'm I telling mean, you, like, we... half the dudes that play video games do that. It's just hysterical because, like, when you, you guys know Winkowski, he's a he's a great guy. He's hilarious. So anything he does kind of adds a little more funny to it, I guess. I'm I'm telling you, Wink, when he came on, we were at the beginning. He was kind of talking to us about Halo, and I'm I'm like looking at Chris, I'm looking at Jamie. I'm like, I've played Halo since I was probably yep. in eighth grade, but I play a little Call of Duty, but. Oh, that man's just like he's in. But we bumped into him at winter weekend and oh, yeah. uh we were just talking about Call of Duty. So it's like yeah. <laughs> you got all these people around, like all these fans are like like trying to like you know approach him and we're he's just chatting us up about Call of Duty. Hey, he's a, he's a very simple guy. He's a very simple guy. He likes his video games and loves competing on the mound. You give that guy a couple white claws and give him a controller and he's good. <laughs> for sure, for sure. He uh He's he's awesome, man. I'm excited to see what he does this year. 
anybody else guys i mean it's he's uh brennan it's been great to have you on does anybody have any final or i got i got two more okay one's one's in non-baseball one i have to ask um since you went to college in new orleans and i went there i went there to visit once did you get to experience mardi gras by yeah, Tulane? Yeah, how was that it was uh it was probably the most fun i'll ever have in my life i i like just like it's the the whole city is a party like it's insane like and 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 like uh they usually tr- plan like a, an away series like around like the prime of mardi gras which is the first but um even like even then it's like there's still like days when you get back or before you leave like that are are so fun and like i said like it's it's like the whole city's just like celebrating but it's like i don't really know the history behind mardi gras from a personal standpoint so i think it's hysterical that like half the people don't even know what we're celebrating but like we're just everybody's getting drunk everybody's having fun and like that like and it just we run with it and um yeah so it, it was a lot of fun also something that kind of flies under the radar in new orleans is halloween on Halloween, there's another street. It's not Bourbon Street, and I actually forget the name of it. But on another street, it's kind of the same thing. It's like everybody's out on the street. The whole city's out, and everybody wears different costumes. And, like, just along this street, it's, like, miles long, but it's just one big party in the street, and everybody's in their costumes. It's really fun, really cool. Wow. Yeah, I want to ask because the only time I was there for it, I was ten, so obviously I couldn't, you know, partake in <laughs> how you actually celebrate that. Um, hey, I, I was eighteen, so neither did I, you know. <laughs> and then just my last one is: if you could pick any memory from your minor league career so far, what would be your favorite? Your favorite one to look back on? Oh, I would have to say this past year we had a game. I mentioned this um, uh, uh, before, uh, definitely, but we had a game. Uh, it was towards the end of the year. I, I was on a roll, so I was I was really locked in, um, and really just like going out of my way to like compete and help win, like just try to win as much as I could because we had a bit of a rough season, um, and we were putting it together. We were all on like a good streak. Everybody was playing well, and we're facing oh, who were we facing? We we're facing the Astros. Okay. And we're in the bottom of, or we're in the top of the eighth. And I come into the game. It's one of those nights in Greenville where it's like, there's like, like I said, five to 7,000 people there. It's like a Saturday night, like lot, lots going on. And it's, uh, I come in and I have a nice first inning. We go to the bottom of the eighth and uh, we have a guy on third. And I like, if we score this guy, I'm going back out and we're finishing this game. Like I'm hyped. And uh, they called um, a check swing, a strike three on our catcher, Nathan Hickey. When he did, he did not go. Like, I would bet my life savings that he did not go if they replayed that. And they said he went. So everybody started getting in. Like, this is getting intense now. Like, people are starting to get angry and stuff. We're arguing. So we go back out. First guy, leadoff double. I'm like, oh, crap. And I didn't actually say crap. But uh, so then we get a fly ball to right field. He tags up. He goes to third. So I got a guy on third with one out. And I'm like, I got to get a strikeout here. I have to. I don't get a strikeout, but we got infield in. Nick York, big leaguer, like I'm saying, makes quick play. Doesn't even second guess it. Throws it home. We get him at home. And I'm like, yes. 
strike out the next guy, let out. It was, and it's funny enough because that was my last ever outing in Greenville because I got called up to Portland right after. So it makes it so much more like bittersweet, but I struck out the last guy, let out like a huge scream. I was like, let's go. And then the bottom of the ninth, we got Corey Rozier and Max Ferguson from the Padres in a trade this year. And Corey Rozier was struggling since he got to, uh, got with us and he hadn't hit a home run yet. Sure enough, bottom of the ninth, tied 0-0. He hits a solo homer, and we win the game. And it was it, it was probably one of the most fun baseball games that I've been a part of in my life. I, I love that. So it, it was a lot of fun. That's the best memory. He, he picked a perfect time for that first homer. For real, right? <laughs> so – so clearly you're you're a pretty positive guy and it's it's awesome awesome to see it and see this side of a professional athlete. Um but I gotta ask, what's one thing kind of change right now you would change? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I think it glitched. Yeah, you went uh Megatron oh, on I that did. one. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got Wi-Fi issues. It's hard to believe, you know? It's all right. <laughs> So if you had the power to change anything in the minor leagues right now on any side of the ball, whatever you want to, whatever you want to change, you can do it at the snap of a finger. What would it be? I'd get rid of that clock. That was going to be my, that was going to be my next question. And here's my thing is like, I, uh, for certain purposes, I understand the clock to keep things going, like keep a tempo running and like, that's fine. I get that. But if you're going to make it like, don't make it like 20 seconds. And the biggest thing that I hate is that if there's playoffs, take it out. It needs to not be in playoffs. And here's why it's like, if you want, like you guys watch the world series, you watch the NLCS, every pitch has so much suspense behind it. Anything can change at the snap of a finger and you want to rush that. No, man, come on. You want to like let the suspense build so that when Bryce Harper hits a home run, it's not rushed off of like 20 seconds. It's like you, you were like waiting for that to happen almost. I, that's the biggest thing for me. And it was funny because they were (laughs) in Greenville. um, They were doing a thing on it, on the news uh, about us and uh how the pitch clock has affected it and they they were looking for like a more positive response and they asked me about it and i'm like i hate it i don't like it and they and then i go watch the news and they like edited it to make it seem like i didn't hate it so i was like all right whatever but um yeah now get rid of that do you think that's like a uni? does that seem to be kind of a universal opinion in the minor leagues i know that i know that the big leaguers are gonna hate it uh the mi- yeah. some of the minor leaguers didn't really mind it just because like like we like to keep the game going too we're younger guys we're high energy but um big leaguers as much as they're very open and very friendly they also don't like to be screwed with that much especially like their routines their stuff like that like can you imagine telling max scherzer to hurry up on the mound like that dude would give you the biggest death stare in the world. Like, yeah, that that's that's my thing. Is like, I know that the big leaguers aren't really gonna like it, and I know that when I get to the big leagues, I'm not gonna like it either. So it's that's basically where I was like, yeah, I don't uh, that thing should be thrown out. Yeah, there's a there's a kid uh, that actually David Griffin. He pitches with the uh, Mets organization right now. He he got to meet Max during his rehab stint and. In- 
Mm. They they had conversations about it and uh statement, Max is not going to be a fan of it when it yeah. finally does come. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's totally. some choice words thrown in there. <laughs> For sure. It's it's kind of like what Wink told us. He's like, is he really gonna be the guy that tells Aaron Judge to get the hell on the box? Like yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna be that guy. Like yeah. it's but um I Chris, if you don't have anything, um no, I was gonna like kind of just piggyback on that because I mean it's pretty much the consensus that we've gotten when we've yeah. talked to players is pretty much that, and it's really what what I find even more astonishing is like really the pitchers are, you know, they're kind of rallying around by saying, it's not really so much them, it's more it's gonna impact the hitter more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, at least a lot of the guys have said that. So, I to me, I, I don't really see the need for it. I mean, what, what like it's not I don't really see it in speeding up the game that much. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm all for, if you want to try to think of some cool stuff to get more people engaged and things like that. I just think that this one here, I don't personally, I hope it doesn't last very long. I mean, then again, it could be wrong and it could be the greatest thing and Manfred looks great and whatever, but I don't know. I just, um, I, I don't I see- think. Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think from a personal standpoint, like the biggest like plus to baseball is going right over everybody's head is just like the excitement you see out of some of the players. Like look at guys like Ronald Acuna, Jazz Chisholm, uh, Juan Soto, how exciting they make the game. Like Marcus Stroman, another perfect example. Like for, I've always, I've always been like the, the, the idea of like compete first. And if you hit a home run off me and you bat flip it, good for you. You beat me. That's it. But just know if you come back and I strike you out, I'm stunting on you too. That's just, that's that, that's how it's going to be. And I think that type of stuff has been just kind of like pushed down or like tried to like be taken out of baseball by like fines and stuff like that when it really shouldn't be. Like you wonder why I got like basketball and football are the most exciting sports to watch. Yeah, granted, like there's a lot more contact and stuff, but also they're allowed they're allowed to go out there and do like they celebrate, they they go crazy, they get the fans involved and stuff too. I think that's the biggest thing that should be involved in baseball, not trying to speed it up. Like imagine how much more fun the game's going to be when you're able to engage with the fans more. Do you know how like much fun got kids have when they have a catch with a player? Like that's that that's that that stuff's so electric and being able to incorporate that instead of there just being a game and then people watching that game like it should all kind of just my opinion i think it should all be incorporated into one sort of like entertainment mm-hmm. yeah. yeah like when i uh it was kind of funny because bridging into that i um when i had tweeted that um highlight from your two lane days of you just mm. getting absolutely jacked <laughs> yeah. up after a strikeout I'm like we need more of this you yeah, said guaranteed that's what I mean. I mean, there was one time this year where uh, we were in Rome um, facing the Braves, and I went a little – I think I went a little – I didn't go overboard. It was just that the, the the stadium was empty. Like, so it it, it was just kind of like, oh, oh, okay. Like, it was, like, kind of, like, out of nowhere. It was a day game Sunday, and I got, like, really hyped up. And, like, I, I, I'm not going to – I look like an idiot out there. But, I mean, that's how I play. Like, it, it's – if you don't like it, I'm sorry. But, like, I don't care. 
Thank you for checking out the latest episode of the Sox Specs Red Sox podcast brought to you by Beyond the Monster. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Type in Beyond the Monster and all of our podcast episodes will be available. In addition, head on over to beyondthemonster.substack.com for all of our content that drops daily.